We'll take our text this morning from, again, from the Psalms. We'll look at chapter 18. We'll read just the first two verses. Psalm 18, verse 1 and 2. I will love thee, O Lord, my strength. The Lord is my rock and my fortress and my deliverer, my God, my strength in whom I will trust, my buckler and the horn of my salvation and my high tower. The psalmist David used a lot of metaphors to describe the Lord. We see several even listed here. David said, the Lord is my shepherd. David understood something about shepherding. He spent a good share of his young life as a shepherd so he could see the relationship between the good shepherd and a shepherd. Here we see David describing the Lord as a rock. You know, David understood something about rocks. This was a psalm of thanksgiving that uh, David was giving after the Lord had delivered him from the hand of all of his enemies and the hand of Saul. You know, David, no doubt, even as a shepherd out there as he was tending those sheep, he probably on a hot day would find shade and rest in the shadow of a large rock. So he understood the rock as being a place of rest as he was fleeing for his life. Often David would find himself hiding in caves that were hewn out of rocks. So a rock to David would mean a place of protection or refuge or safety. And David certainly understood the power of even a small stone to bring down a large giant. So David understood a rock to represent a source of strength. You know, when we think of rocks, when we hear somebody described as solid as a rock or like a rock, we think of somebody who is dependable, somebody that you can count on. We Picture rocks as something permanent and unchanging, something strong and solid, something immovable, unmovable, something that lasts. So we can see why David would describe God as a rock. Many places in Scripture use that very metaphor. Matter of fact, in the book of Psalms, that's used 46 times to describe, or excuse me, about 24 times to describe the Lord. It's not describing something inanimate or unfeeling or lifeless. No, it's describing something wonderful and solid, a source of strength and power and stability. You know, Hannah prayed a prayer in 1 Samuel, the second chapter. She said, There is none holy as Jehovah, for there is none besides thee, neither is there any rock like our God. This rock is no ordinary rock. That was a prayer Hannah prayed after God had given her a promised child. She'd been barren many years and God allowed her to deliver a child and she was dedicating Samuel, her child, back to the Lord. That was the prayer she prayed because she realized God could be counted on. God was dependable. God would keep His promises and His vows. So she said, the Lord, he's, there's no rock like our God. This rock has eyes and ears and a heart that's moved with compassion for those that will call upon him. You know, this rock is unchanging. Malachi 3.6 says, I am the Lord, I change not. My word is forever settled in heaven. Again, God's word is often likened 
to a rock. It's a sure foundation. Several years ago, my, my wife and I used to visit a little town called Morro Bay. It was along the California coast. And it was a beautiful little town. It had a bay on one side of it. And out in the middle of the bay was this huge rock formation referred to as Morro Rock. And we would go there. We went there several times. That rock was always the same, always in the same place. I remember one time in particular, we were at a local restaurant there, and on the wall they had a panoramic view of the whole bay, and it was an old black and white photo. It must have been an old aerial photo. I'm guessing it was probably taken in the 50s. And, and really the town was pretty barren, but that rock was there as like a permanent fixture out there in the bay. And then below that photo they had another more recent color photograph, probably from maybe the mid-80s or 90s. And it was the same view of that town. You know, the whole landscape of that town changed. There were residential areas and buildings that had sprung up, but one thing that remained unchanged was that rock, that solid rock. I thought, you know, how often the, the, the landscape of our lives can change in a moment of time. You think about how quickly things could change. One phone call can change everything. One unexpected diagnosis from a doctor can change everything. A sick child, that can change everything. The loss of a job, maybe a company downsizing and a job that maybe somebody had 20, 30, even 40 years, uh, all of a sudden it's gone. You know, things change quickly. But thank God the Lord never changes. That rock of our salvation, He's permanent. He's unchanging. He's not disturbed by the circumstances that may surround us. You know, this rock is resistant to erosion. As you drive along the coastline, you'll see the difference between sand and rock. It becomes very apparent. Sand is washed away, but the rock is left remain standing. The substance of an embankment becomes obvious when it's subjected to the elements. You know, when Satan sends trials our way, when we're subjected to his elements, it will become very clear what foundation we're built upon. We know Matthew chapter 7, verse 24 and 25, Christ's own words. He says, Whosoever hears these sayings of mine and does them, I will liken him to a wise man who built this house upon that rock. It says, When those floods came and the rain descended and the winds blew and it began to beat upon that house, it says that rock, that, that house stood firm and solid because it was, it was built upon that solid foundation. It was built upon that rock. Christ Jesus, you know, when we're built upon that rock, we're building on solid ground. We build on, upon that rock. Christ Jesus, this rock is resistant to floods. Isaiah 59, verse 19. Again, it says, When the enemy shall come in like a flood, the Spirit of the Lord shall lift up a standard against him. When the enemy comes in like a flood, aren't you thankful we can be planted on that solid rock? It's unmoved by the adversities of life. You know, this rock is resistant to heat and fire. Isaiah 43, verse 2, tells us this. When thou passest through the fire or through the waters, 
I will be with thee, and through the rivers they shall not overflow thee. When thou walkest through the fire, thou shalt not be burned, neither shall the flame kindle upon thee. This rock is resistant to floods and to flames. You know, floods can overwhelm. Flames can consume, but this rock is resistant to both. Think about the account of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. We know when their faith was put to the test, uh, Nebuchadnezzar made that image and commanded all those in his kingdom to bow, and if they didn't bow, they were going to be thrown in a fiery furnace. You know what? Their faith didn't waver. They didn't budge in the face of even the burning, fiery furnace. They stood firm, and God proved himself faithful to them because their feet were planted on that rock. You know, they took a stand for the Lord that day, and it says that it made the king so angry that that furnace was heated seven times hotter than it was supposed to be heated. Well, that's a lot like life. You know, when you begin to take a stand for the things of God, when you stand for what's morally right and what's in God's Word, you know, the heat might get turned up a little bit. The pressure might increase, but still, uh, they stood firm. It says they were bound hand and foot and cast into the fire. You know, the Lord could have easily delivered them before they ever got to that fire. But the Lord chose to allow them to go into that fire but the Lord was with them the entire time. You know the incredible thing about this account. It says, as the king looked into that fiery furnace, he saw not three men but four. And he says, the fourth was like unto the Son of God. How would that old pagan, godless king, the very one who challenged their God, said, who is this God that will deliver thee? How would he recognize that fourth man? And that fourth man was the Son of God. Jesus Christ himself was in those flames. The Spirit of the Lord revealed it, of course, to Nebuchadnezzar. But you know what else is amazing? This was centuries before Christ ever came as a baby in a manger. Yet here we see Jesus in the flames with those three Hebrew children. That's because He's the rock of ages. That eternal rock without beginning and without end. That's the rock we want to serve and build our lives upon. It says He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. That's good news. The Lord doesn't change. The same God that was able to deliver those Hebrew children is the very same God we serve today. That same power that was available to them is the same power that God makes available to us today. God doesn't change. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. You can go through that fire unharmed when your feet are on that rock. You know, sometimes rocks were used as memorials or reference points. Think of that account when Joshua and the children of Israel, they had come to the Jordan River and it was overflowing its banks. And as they stepped into the river there, it parted and they crossed on dry ground. You know, the Lord commanded them to do something. He told them to set up 12 stones to go back in that river and get out 12 stones and to erect a memorial. And those 12 stones would represent the 12 tribes of Israel. And it said it was built as a memorial for the children of Israel forever. And they asked, uh, what's this for? And they were told so that when you go back and you look upon this thing, you'll remember what God has done for you. So you'll never forget. It says that uh, this memorial is there to this day. You know, it's important 
to have a place in our lives, a spiritual reference point that we can go back to and look look back to as a as a place of reference. Of course, that begins the day we're saved. I think about that memorial in my own life. It's about 25 minutes from here, across the bridge in Vancouver, Washington. But I'll never forget the day at 14 years of age on a Sunday afternoon when I knelt by my bed and I cried out to the Lord, just surrendered my life to the Lord, and God came in and He made a change. He saved me. He took that old burden of sin off my heart. You know, that's a place I've gone back to many times in my life. It's important to establish those memorials with the Lord, something solid and definite and real that we can go back to. When the enemy comes and tries to shake our faith, we want to have a place we can point back to and say, God did that for me right there. You can establish a memorial even this morning here in this place. You know, once we're established on that rock, the Lord has promised to be an ever-present help in time of trouble. He's permanent and unchanging. That's the God we serve. It's no ordinary rock. You know, not only will it bring us through the fire and the flood, not only will this rock protect us, it says this rock can feed us and sustain us. Psalm 81, 16 says, God wants to feed us with the finest of the wheat and with honey. Out of the rock, He would satisfy thee. This rock satisfies if you're spiritually hungry. The Lord can feed you this morning with the finest of the wheat. If you're thirsty, spiritually thirsty and parched, think of those times in the Scriptures when God caused water to flow out of a rock. We know the account when Moses and the children of Israel found themselves in the wilderness and the children of Israel began to complain and to grumble and God commanded Moses to strike the rock. And sure enough, as he did that, water flowed out of that rock. Then again, we see sometime several years later, the children of Israel didn't always learn their lesson the first time, so they find themselves in a similar situation again in that wilderness without water. That time God told Moses, speak to the rock. Of course, Moses was angry with the children of Israel, so he struck that rock. The water still came out of that rock. Of course, that because he didn't honor God in front of the children of Israel, he wasn't allowed to bring them into the promised land. But you know, the fact is that rock was struck once, the first time, and it issued out that living water. Christ, that rock of our salvation, was only had to be struck one time. We know the Lord, He gave His life on that cross. He said He died once and for all for the sins of mankind. But you know, we have to speak to that rock. When we have a spiritual need, we have to come and bow before the Lord and confess to the Lord, repent, call out on the Lord, humble ourselves, and God will supply that living water that flows from Christ. He's that rock of our salvation. You know the Lord? He holds out an invitation. Even today, he says, if any thirst, let him come unto that uh, water and drink. He says, and out of his belly shall flow rivers of living water. So that rock, Christ Jesus, can be that source of living water. This rock satisfies. What else happens when our feet are placed on that rock? You know, the Lord can cause us to be a light to others. You consider the placement of a lighthouse. You never see that lighthouse built down on the shore or down on the sand. It had to be placed on a rock. 
So those passing ships could see it in the same way. When our feet are placed on that rock, the Bible says that you're the light of the world. A city that is built on a hill cannot be hid. So when you're on that rock, Christ Jesus, the Lord can use you to be a light to others. You know, one of the greatest needs in people's lives, and we would probably all agree, is that need for security. That certainty or that freedom from worry. That protection or shelter that seems like so many people are looking for in this world today. You know, people try to find security in all kinds of false foundations and other things. Jesus himself said, the stone which the builders rejected, the same has become the head of the corner. Christ is that source of strength and stability, that rock. Unfortunately, so many people uh, look everywhere but Christ. They stumble over that rock. They trip over that rock and they never go to the true source. Came across in a little account. This is by a man named Doug Batchelor. He has a little program called Amazing Facts. I thought it was a pretty interesting little account here. Most people feel like the gold rush, the California gold rush was around 1948 or 49. But he said the first gold rush in North America was actually in 1799. Up to that point, there was virtually no gold known on the continent at that time. But there was a young boy named Conrad Reed, 12 years old, and he happened to be out fishing on his dad's property in a little place called Mill Creek. And it said he found a great big rock. It was an interesting looking rock floating or in the river there. It wasn't floating. It said he took it home and it was unusually heavy. And so they thought this would be a very useful thing to keep the door propped open. It says that 17 pound doorstop was one of the biggest gold nuggets that's ever been found. They left it there for three years, moving it every day to hold the door open during the summertime. One day a merchant came by to visit. He noticed that rock, and he recognized what it was. This man also happened to be a jeweler. So he told him he would buy it from him. And the response was, what in the world would you do with this old rock? But he recognized what it was. He said, just sell it to me. He offered him three bucks for that rock. Back in 1799, that was probably a lot of money. So they sold that rock for thousands upon thousands less than what it was actually worth and said it was a stone rejected. They didn't understand its value. They tripped over it every day going in and out of their home, never realizing it was a priceless treasure. It launched the first gold rush in North America and it gave our fledgling country the gold it needed to mint our own coinage. They had this rock in their possession and they didn't even recognize the value of it. They tripped over it. They stumbled over it. How many people treat the Lord the same way? Christ is here. He offers salvation. He offers living water. He's that bread of life. Yet people stumble all over Jesus. They're offended by Him. They'd rather look anywhere than the source of true strength. God help us. We want to recognize what we have in Christ. I think of another promise. Again, Psalm 61, 2 says, From the end of the earth will I cry unto thee when my heart is overwhelmed. You hear this morning, is your heart overwhelmed? 
Go to that rock that is higher than us, that higher than I. He's that source of strength. He can be that shelter and strong tower from the enemy. You know, there's consequences for coming in contact with a rock or a stone. If you've ever ran into a concrete wall or a concrete pillar, you know there's consequences. Think of a time when I was just a kid, maybe about eight or ten years old, and I had gone to a Fred Meyer store with my mom, and I had done something that displeased her, so she had scolded me. And as we were walking out of that store, going to the parking lot, I was looking at her, and when I was sure she couldn't see me, I decided I was going to stick my tongue out at her. And as I was walking along, I didn't see that big, huge concrete column right in front of me. And I hit that thing full stride. I want to think it knocked some sense into me. But you know, this is the truth. Even at that young age, and in that attitude of rebellion, I knew God was reprimanding me. I realized I had it coming. God let me know you were being disrespectful. Well, there's consequences for coming in contact with the rock. Matthew 21, verse 44 says, Whosoever shall fall upon the stone shall be bruised, but unto whomsoever it shall fall, they shall be crushed to powder. Jesus was telling those people there, those religious leaders, if you stumble at me and if you're offended at me, it's going to cause you pain. You're going to be bruised. And if you reject me long enough, one day that rock will fall on you and grind you to powder. This rock of refuge and strength and forgiveness and grace will one day become a stone of judgment to those who've rejected Christ. I guess the question is this morning, where do you want to be in relationship to this rock? You don't want to be under this rock. You don't want to be found pushing against this rock or resisting this rock. You want to be found built on top of this rock. You can get your feet planted on that solid foundation, Christ Jesus. Uh, today, God can be your rock of salvation and strength. You know, how do we respond to this rock? Well, the Word of God tells us, Romans chapter 9, verse 33. As it is written, Behold, I lay in Zion a stumbling stone and a rock of offense, and whosoever believeth on him shall not be ashamed. This morning, God is holding out an offer to you. If you're looking for strength, stability, permanence in your life, if you're looking for shelter and protection, the Lord offers it to you. He's a God of all of those things. He's the rock of our salvation. And if He's not the rock of your salvation today, He can be. Just takes one simple, honest prayer. Let the Lord have His will in your life. Uh, God can sanctify you wholly. He can fill you with His Holy Spirit. Uh, God is the rock of our salvation. The Lord is eternal. His promises are yea and amen to those that would believe. I would encourage you today, come and just uh, cast yourself at the feet of this rock and the Lord will meet you today. The song is 526. These altars are open.